people say, oh, I don't judge. You ever hear people say this? Oh, I don't judge anybody. Of course you do. We all do. If someone goes into the room, they approaches you, you're going to judge what do they want? Am I safe? How long are they going to stay? And it's not a bad thing to judge. That's just the natural impulse we all have. Hey guys, welcome to our Soul Fan podcast, where I interview space holders from all over the world. I'm your host, my name is Carolina, and I'm the manifestation mentor. Today on the show, we have Bruce Da Silva, the life coach specialized in social intelligence. Welcome to the show, Bruce. You're making Thank such you for having me. How are you me. doing? <laughs> I am doing absolutely fantastic, incredible. I am ready for this conversation. It's been a long time coming. But we made it happen through persistence, so stoked to get <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much for agreeing to be with us and to share your wisdom with our audience. And we have so many exciting topics to touch upon, relationships, trust, communication. So let's dive straight in and let's get to the communication part of relationships. Because like you're an expert on social intelligence, so maybe we can also explain to people what social intelligence means to define social intelligence. And then within the topic, how to communicate in the best possible way? <laughs> wow, two very solid questions. And to begin, social intelligence, right? If we break it up, we have social and intelligence. So we all know being intelligent, right? Knowing things, having that understanding. We can know about emotional intelligence. But social intelligence specifically is being aware of the surroundings, the people in the environment, and knowing how to navigate the social dynamic. It's knowing when how to behave at a funeral versus at a wedding. These are social intelligence uh, moments that you would be able to, to partake in that if you don't really know what you're doing, you can really cause misfortune for a lot of people. So those are two bigger examples, but it could be anything. It could be how do you interact when you meet a new group of people, when you're at a family dinner, when you go out to a restaurant, anything like this, anything to do with people and knowing how the social setting is working and what the structure is. Now, the second question was about how do we communicate the most effectively? Yes? Yes. Okay. Well, many different ways to do this. It, for myself, I always think about what message am I trying to convey and who am I speaking with as well? For example, there's a quote, I'm probably going to butcher it, but I think it's by Nelson Mandela. And it goes along the lines of, if you want to connect with someone speaking their language and it'll, or speak in a language they understand, and it'll go to their head or something like that. Uh, but if you speak in a language they know, then it goes to their heart. Meaning, in this example, I was working with someone and I was looking to incentivize them and motivate them. And what I had done is I used an analogy for them about goal setting and accomplishments, things like that. Now, for this person, I could have just said, oh, you got to set a goal, shoot for the top, blah, blah, blah. Ah, okay. But I knew that his language was within the world of football, which in the States, we call it soccer. So I decided to change the metaphor, the language, the communication to use something he would understand better because it then paints a much more accurate picture. So for me, communication is knowing the message you want to convey and knowing your audience in the best way. Is your tone really powerful or is it really soft? Is it quick and rapid or is it nice and slow? Are you speaking with nuance? Or being very deliberate and intentional how to do that is for me the stepping stone of how to communicate effectively and to simply understand the other. Because so often we focus on us speaking when really a lot of communication is actually listening. And people tend to forget this, unfortunately. It's 
it's a big mistake. We tend to bake way too often. Yeah, I I agree with that so much. And do you feel like that this is why you have such a beautiful following on social media? Because you can really connect, you can really understand how to speak to people so that you convey the message and you resonate with a specific type of people? This definitely helps. I say people, from my perspective, I think that they look at impact and communication in a very different way. If I were to, like right now we're communicating, and in theory, I'm only speaking to one person, but I'm actually speaking to the other people that you're going to interact with throughout today, the course of this week, throughout the course of the month, because my interaction with you has an impact, positive or negative. And in turn, that experience will some, to some capacity affect you, then it'll affect somebody else. So in with regards to following and things like this, it definitely does play a part. I would also like to just emphasize that remembering that our impact and who we're communicating with isn't just the person, it's also the collateral that they interact with. If we treat each other well, you go back to your family, I go back to mine, they're now experiencing the interaction that we had in a very, very subtle way that many people miss. So for me, that's that's the way we actually communicate the most effectively. And at least for myself, I've made the effort to learn how to speak slower, how to mumble less. I used to have a stutter. I'll probably stutter in this episode, I probably already have. So at this point, <laughs> I don't think so. Point, I probably, I mean, actually, maybe I haven't. Maybe I haven't. We'll see how many times it happens. Either way, it's being very intentional with your speech and improving. Say, okay, this is how I spoke. Can I shift that? The, am I sharing a message of excitement? If I'm going to say to you, Catalina, if I'm going to say the most amazing news, and I go, hey, Carolina, I just got that big job I wanted. It was amazing. You're not going to believe me. <laughs> no, right? I probably won't. Exactly. You probably won't. And the words that come out of the mouth, that's great. But how does the body move? How is the energy? And in, they have this in sales, actually, where I used to uh, work with sales. And what they would tell us is when you're speaking on the phone or before you speak on the phone, to smile. Have a big... And as you're speaking with them, smile. Because it literally changes your physiology your mental structure, your body, and you communicate so differently. So it's all the subtle things that people need to be very aware of because the subtle things have massive, massive impact. Mm, I love that. And I'm curious to know your perspective on communication, especially in relationships in terms of partnerships, because sometimes it's so hard when we get triggered by someone and we really want to manifest a relationship, but then we get to the situations where we are constantly triggered in the exact same way with the people that we are attracting or we keep attracting the same uh, kind of person, right? Because we haven't healed some parts of us that are at you know, a vibrational match to um, the same kind of people all the time. And so in the moment that you are triggered, let's say that you are having a fight with your partner and this, the partner triggers you um, and you're just like losing your shit inside and whatever, but you really want to be conscious and aware and you really want to communicate good because you love this person, right? You don't want to just, you know, lash out on someone. You don't want to just be rude or anything. Like what kind of style of communication or what kind of pieces of advice you have if someone is already in the state where it's already agitated or already in fight or flight, but they really want to make it good. They don't want to continue the fight. They just want to calm down and actually, you know, resolve it in the best possible way. Mm, that, is a, that is a fascinating question. And midway, I had my response where it's a very simple framework and it's not what to say because there's so many different books and ideas and they all work. 
the philosophy that encompasses all that, from my perspective, has always been, it's not you versus that person, it's you and that person versus the problem. It's a very different mm, person. I love it. Oh, oh, this person's doing some wrong with me, or oh, I'm in this dynamic, blah, blah, blah. You are. But are you really mad at the person, or you're maybe mad at the circumstance? Maybe you're, you want this issue, challenge. I would say opportunity to be resolved, because think about it. Isn't it funny how, I wish this wasn't the case, but it seems to be the case, that whenever you go through adversity with someone and you're able to come out the other side, you're actually stronger as a result? How does that work? Because people tend to think that conflict is all crisis and problem, but it can actually be opportunity to something even stronger. If you look at it through that lens of, okay, we have this conflict now, but it's me and you, let's work together versus the problem. Okay, you did this, I see it this way. Yeah, maybe I'm upset with what you did and vice versa, but really what are the needs that we're missing? So maybe even to go back in the earlier part of that question, for myself, I like to look at what needs does that person have? If I go to the grocery store and I ask the person, how are you, blah, 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 and they're super unresponsive, they're not cool with it. Sometimes I just leave it, it's all good. But then I understand, I could say, oh my gosh, they're so rude. People in this city are terrible. Oh. Or I could think, okay, let's see. If I was on my feet for six hours a day with a majority of the customers not caring about me and not even treating me like a human, would I also be moderately upset? And for myself, that's basically empathy, right? How do we get into the person's actual shoes and understand what it would be like if we were them? And it's them, it's that really, of course you need the technique, but before you have the technique, you need the philosophy above. And for me, it's always you and the person versus the conflict, or maybe not even versus, that's kind of combative. You and the person looking to work together to solve a mutual conflict. Mm, I love that. I absolutely love this perspective. This is amazing. Thank you so much. Because in this case, you really take this other person as a part of you. And this is what love is. It's like we are together. We are one, right? And that's where love uh, comes into play. And I would also add to that, that every conflict is actually a result of our internal world and our childhood experiences and our traumas. So if we can stop taking things personally and stop feeling like, oh, if this person is upset at me, it's my fault or whatever and in the same way if we can stop blaming the other person for our emotions and how we feel that's where the game really starts because then we can actually grow stronger after conflict and i feel like we can build even more trust and safety in a relationship when we have a conflict and then we actually resolve it in a way where after the conflict we feel even closer to this person right because every conflict as i see it at least now from the level of consciousness that i'm in now which wasn't like that in the past but from my current perspective it's like every conflict with the person that I really want to form kind of relationship or friendship with brings me even deeper to the harmony and to the alignment and to the integration of both parties, unless we are really incompatible as friends or uh, partnership, then obviously like we, we can just decide not to be friends anymore or not to be in a relationship anymore. But in any other case where after the conflict, we can just like resolve it, heal our own stuff and then come together it's actually every time even more powerful, I believe. And I'm curious about your perspective on it because for me, it's even more trust in that case. Yeah, because you tend to realize whenever there's any kind of conflict, you you automatically go to the point of protect myself, save myself, all these things, which 
it's fair and we all do it. It's just how do we overcome the pure emotional response and implement some actual structure and basic logic that we can use to actually benefit us both. It's there's people say, oh, I don't judge. You ever hear people say this? Oh, I don't judge anybody. Of course you do. We all do. If someone goes into the room, you're, it approaches you, you're going to judge what do they want? Am I safe? How long are they going to stay? And it's not a bad thing to judge. That's just the natural impulse we all have. So after the judgment, you say, okay, what do I do with that? Similar to conflict or misunderstanding or even building trust, anything like that. When something happens, you have your initial response in your mind, in your body, in your face. And then being human, we can to some capacity rationalize and figure out, all right, yeah, I'm feeling this, but is that really in alignment with what's going on? Because for example, if we just, we're recording now, and what if maybe five minutes before we got on, you were cooking dinner and then you dropped it all over the floor? You'd probably be pretty upset. I wouldn't be happy. I'd be pretty upset. <laughs> You, you think, oh my gosh, this is just terrible. And then now you have to come into this recording with high energy, which your energy is awesome, by the way, but you'd have to come in with this high energy and it would probably be a little bit tainted because of that experience, even if you're super positive, whatever it is. For me, of course, we're responsible for how we behave, but at the same time, I could think, all right, Catalina, she she's maybe a little off right now. Huh, maybe something happened. Uh, you know, it's all good. Let me just pay attention. And I think the level of awareness it's not to justify behavior that you may not prefer. It, from my perspective, is to understand where they come from because at that moment, they could be experiencing something not so good. And even on the flip side, on the flip side, they could have just had the best moment of their life. And five minutes later, you meet and you think, wow, this is an amazing person. Are they amazing? Or was it the circumstance? Or was it both? Maybe they are amazing and it's a circumstance. Or finally, the best one is, how about they're amazing in spite of their circumstance that you get the best news or the worst news and you still show up. That is a sweet spot. I think people tend to miss way too often because they focus on just the emotional state and the judgments without questioning the judgment. It's actually pretty funny that you have given the example of me dropping something in the kitchen because I'm so bad in the kitchen. Like literally I never cook. And if I do, I always drop something. So it's funny how your intuition just like <laughs> dropped this bomb, especially that so it's, it's funny, true. Lynn, this is the thing. It was that coincidence or is that the universe? It just comes in. These ideas, they just come in. We think, oh, what an accident. Oh, how coincidental. Maybe. I, I don't know about you, but it's, I mean, maybe it is. But the point being, it's how do we feel intuitively things that are so present? And why, well, how is it that I came up with that analogy out of every analogy I could have come up with? Right? I right? Mean, there's something there. There's something it is, there. It is oneness. It is just oneness. And we're just tapping into the collective consciousness, which is absolutely great. And so after the whole communication thing, and we're talking about triggers and all these things, I would love to touch upon trust because I feel like there are so many people that are struggling with trust also because of the experiences like I've had in childhood, like abandonment wound, for example, right? My dad leaving the family when I was two years old and then kind of trying to come back, but then not really. And, you know, that actually has shaken my sense of safety. And then I need to work through so many let's say, patterns or uh, behaviors or automatic responses of my body where I feel like I cannot trust the world or I cannot trust people or I cannot trust God or I, you know, I cannot trust the universe to give me what I need and just going through so much. And I would love to 
uh, talk about it when it comes to the uh, shortcut or the um, acronym that Brené Brown uh, has come up with. And to those of you who don't know Brené Brown, please go check her out because she's an amazing researcher. She has amazing um, like research about like shame and all other uh, emotions and YouTube channel and everything. It's just great. I absolutely love her. And she came up with this acronym what, uh, that I would like to talk to you about all these things that she said that are building trust, right? So the acronym is BRAVING and it goes for boundaries, reliability, accountability, vault, um, integrity, non-judgment, and generosity. And this is, according to her, all these pillars are building trust. And I'm curious about your perspective on all of these pillars and how they play out um, in your interpretation into building trust in our relationships. So let's start uh, with reliability. Yeah, I was about to say, I don't know if I have an acronym for trust. Plus, I'm also probably not a PhD or I'm not a doctor yet. Uh, but either way, it's fascinating how she's able to break down really what are the ingredients to create such a delicious meal, which is trust, right? I think that's something that is very valuable. What was the, you said reliability was the one? Yes. For me would be in the sense of, of course, consistency and following through with action or following through with action on something that you suggest. Hey, I'll call you next week, four o'clock. Okay, cool. You call. Okay. Consistent. You don't. Okay. How can I trust you're going to do it the next time? Right. I, there's an amazing quote. I just read it. Uh, I believe it's by Nietzsche, right? Friedrich Nietzsche. And he says, I'm not mad that you lied to me. I'm mad that I can't trust you anymore. And I, that blew my mind because the reliability. The people that we tend to hold closest in our lives, we love them, sure, but we also trust them because they've most likely been consistent to some capacity and reliable. When there's no reliability, how can I trust? If I fall back, you're going to catch me. Yeah, yeah, in any relationship, if you don't have that, it, it just makes it more difficult because what you have to do is you have to operate off of the absence of evidence. You know, if, if I have this water bottle and I drop it, okay, I know it's going to drop. I can believe I can, it's reliable. But if I, if somehow I drop it and it floats, I think, what, how did this float? This is denying the laws of the universe. So with reliability, it's how do we show up, not for just ourselves, but for others. I think it's that follow through that people tend to miss too much. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And that kind of brings me to the question that um, I asked myself in my relationships, because I feel like for me and my personality type, Enneagram number six, wing seven, which is loyalist wing enthusiast, which means I'm all about the rules, right? So the rule is you have to be reliable and you cannot ever let me down. And so, I mean, I'm not as bad right now. I've been that, like that in the past, like in my teenagers, I would be like, okay, if you don't talk to me for more than a week, you're not my best friend and things like that, right? All these rules in the mind, which also um, like for my personality type, in order for me to feel like I can trust and I, I am safe in relationship, I need reliability, but I was wondering like, okay, how much is actually reliable? Because for some people, the, let's say boundary of reliability can be completely different because for me, I might require or need, let's say 90% of follow through. Um, if I look at statistics, right? Statistically, maybe nine out of 10 times, someone would show up for me and would actually follow through with the words that they said and that they promised. And one out of 10, I can handle. But I feel like for everyone, it might be different. This kind of boundary where I perceive someone as reliable or not can be different for everyone. So um, how would you say, like, how to discover your own 
perspective or your own, let's say, boundary in this case. Because for me, I know that I need high levels of reliability for me personally to build safety. But I actually feel like it's very personal and individual. It's not like the same. You cannot say measure everyone with the same ruler, right? Because everyone has different personality. And for some people, maybe seven out of 10 times would be okay. It would be very different. The numbers, the severity, and the frequency as to how much it happens. The way I would picture it is I had gone to a, a Tony Robbins uh, event that he did and he was talking about relationships. And one thing he had mentioned was are you speaking with someone and saying, okay, what do you want in a partner? This, this, that. Okay, great. Um, or for them not to do, not to do certain things. And then he basically asked the entire audience saying, okay, so who in here has ever lied? Everyone raises their hand. Whoever here has ever broken a promise? Everyone raises their hand. Who here has ever not... Uh, got back in contact after a week or texted or whatever it is. Everyone raised their hand. So this person had basically, my partner can never do this, but everyone in the room had done it. So they're expecting their partner to be so unique and so different, but these are things like they're expecting more from their partner that's actually than what's reasonable. And from my perspective, I would say in that aspect, it's not necessarily what people do that gets us upset. It's our expectation that isn't met. Because for some people, it's like, oh, call me next month. No worries. But if the other one could say, oh, you didn't call me every day of the week, what's wrong with you? In that sense, it would just be getting clear with who that person is and having that expectation and not saying, hey, could you please do this? Because sometimes that doesn't also feel good, right? If you need to tell someone how to do something, you may feel like it's disingenuous. However, there is still some value to that. So I would say it's a fine line to tread, but essentially just communicating with them saying, Hey, I noticed this. It made me feel this way. Would you be able to do that? Hey, I'd really prefer it if this. How does that look like? Because people are mind readers. And when we assume that they are, that's when the confusion comes in, miscommunication and then conflict. I mean, it's such a mess, but it's because we're afraid again, like the trust, we're afraid to share our perspective because what if we share it and we're not accepted? That's, it's a mess. And it's, again, to mention Tony, he goes, uh, the fears that we all have boil down to two main fears. The fears that we're not enough, and if we're not enough, we won't be loved. And if you're very vulnerable with someone and you're asking them for something and all this, that person may think, oh, you know what? Catalina, she's not enough. You know what? Never mind. And then in your mind, you're thinking, oh my gosh, so how can you ever be forthcoming? Again, that's why all the communication comes in. And at the same time, if you are going to partner with somebody and the communication's not even receptive towards that, it may be best to uh, go an alternative route and seeing where the communication could be more transparent between you and the other person. Mm, I love that. And actually that uh, boils down to boundaries as well, which is actually the first uh, part of this acronym. I kind of skipped it. I don't know why, but first part mm -hmm. is boundaries and there is re reliability. So I feel like also reliability like connects to boundaries in a way because for everyone, the boundary of reliability will be different um, and so with the boundaries i feel like that's so, also such an important component because if someone doesn't know their own needs their own desires then the trust cannot be fully established because i feel like it's a lot about yourself and your self-awareness of what is okay and what is not okay in a relationship and only then when you know your own boundaries and you stick to them you can show up in a relationship and actually build, build trust do you agree with that I do agree with that. And it makes me remind, I just heard something today where if you have, let's say, a really good friend and basically, you know, for a fact that they're doing something that's harming them 
And for you, you may be too nervous. You're like, you know what? No, I'm not going to say anything because you value protecting yourself more than actually helping them. And it, it kind of comes from a selfish place. And when I think of the boundary thing, it's so true. Because if you don't even have a boundary for yourself, then how can you be seen as reliable? Because thinking, wait a second, the one person you need to protect in theory is really yourself. So if you don't have a boundary for yourself to protect yourself, how do I know you're going to take care of me? Or not that it's your responsibility, but how can I even trust that if the circumstances arise, that's something that would happen? Uh, I think that's what we tend to miss. And uh, boundaries is definitely a very, uh, it's a topic that's really been explored, I'd say probably in the past few years, five years, 10 years, maybe. And for everyone, it's different, right? Because you have certain boundaries in certain settings. At home, you have a certain boundary. When you're maybe out with your friends at a restaurant, you have different boundaries. And it's, again, just how you communicate that with the people that you're with. And like reestablishing that trust aspect through it, if you could. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, and I feel like also to know why you have a specific boundary, that's also important because you cannot just explain to someone, okay, I don't want this. But it's like, yeah, but why? It's like if someone doesn't really understand where it's coming from, you know, your boundary, then for example, I can be like, okay, look, I need reliability 90% because I have an abandonment wound and because I feel like I cannot trust people. Some parts of me are still wounded inner children that feel like if you, uh, if you let me down more than you know, once out of 10, then I'm going to feel like I cannot trust you anymore. And then someone will be like, oh yeah, okay, I can relate to you because now you're vulnerable. I, I can understand why. And then it's easier for people to actually hold the boundary if they know what's happening beneath the surface, right? Beautifully said. Oh, that was like a, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. It's knowing the wound, the child, all these things. And just what, because have you ever heard the expression? Uh, it goes, the straw that breaks the camel's back right? It's, yeah. it's this little thing, but it's not the little thing. It's the buildup of the other things. And you think, oh my gosh, what an overreaction. Hold on now. Was it an overreaction? Maybe. But what led up to that point? And to just understand overall where they're coming from. Mm, actually, I feel like for me, overreaction is something that people just made up because like my mentor, Teal Swan, I'm not sure if you're familiar with her, but she's this spiritual um, YouTuber, let's say. She always says like, there is no such thing as overreaction. There is always a reaction like based on the trauma that people had. So it's not like someone is overreacting. It's like they're reacting based on what they experienced. I think she gives this example of like, I don't know if this is the exact example, but if, for example, a woman was uh, betrayed and abandoned when the man was wearing a red t-shirt, then when she sees the red t-shirt and she bursts into tears, someone could be like, what the hell are you overreacting? Like, you know, like this is just a red t-shirt. It's like, it doesn't mean anything. But for her, it's not an overreaction. It's a reaction based on the natural flow of her mind being programmed in a specific way and the emotional charge that she has stored in her body. So I feel like, you know, overreaction can be just something like made up by us, kind of like a drama queen or drama king, you know what I mean? It definitely could be actually, yeah. It would sense, for me, the way I interpret that, like to build on that is maybe knowing what makes the most sense to react. Like, for example, if, let's say if I had my heart broken, yeah, for me, the overreaction is if I go to a random library and I just fall on the ground and start crying in front of everybody. Like that's probably for me the overreaction in the sense of it's the reaction that doesn't that's probably not gonna advance the cause in a way. Right. But even to your point, like the, the person in the red, 
yeah, we may think, but they're wearing red. What's the big deal? But for them, something happened in their mind or in their life where in their mind it's been conditioned, the programming, and then they respond a certain way. That's totally true because we've all seen that. I mean, I'm sure you've seen this before where we don't think it makes sense, but in their mind, it makes total sense. Yeah, absolutely. And let's get to the uh, other parts of the acronym BRAVING because these, oh, these are just yeah. so exciting for me. So the next is accountability. So I'm curious to know, how do you, from, from your perspective, define accountability and how does it play out in trust building? That's a great question. Accountability for, for me would be, even though something may not be your fault per se, you still take responsibility. And I think what that means is the responsibility for what happens, what's going to happen, and then being accountable for it and saying, all right, this is what happened. Maybe we don't agree. Like we may disagree on the context of the story, but we both agree that there needs to be a solution. And of course, you need to agree on some things beforehand. We can't just both make up total, totally different facts and all these things. But my subjective experience could be very different from theirs. So regardless, is I need to be accountable for saying, okay, this happened, this was that action, which we can say is a fact objectively. And then from there, be accountable saying, all right, this is what I take responsibility for, what we can do moving forward. Because if someone doesn't take accountability, how do you really trust that they have positive intent? Which is like that quote that says, uh, the, the best apology is a change in behavior, which is similar to being accountable for your actions. Because if you apologize, but you do the same thing, you didn't really apologize. It's an empty, empty apology in that sense. Mm, can I share with you a little story that relates to this accountability that I literally lived yesterday? <laughs> so, oh my god it's such a like embarrassing story but like i will say it for the awareness and maybe it's gonna help someone also to move because for me accountability is sometimes so hard to just like admit that i made a mistake and then i'm like that i had a shitty behavior and i was just like oh my god so yesterday um i was talking on the phone to one of my besties and i needed to express some emotions about my other friend right that i um other other best friend of mine and i was just talking to her on the phone and I was just like saying like I'm just so tired with this I feel so unappreciated and he doesn't do that and doesn't do this and I just feel like I'm not met where I want to be and I'm just like you know expressing it and just so that I don't have this in my body anymore I was to want to express it out so that it doesn't have any control over me and it was so funny because I was on the balcony and this friend of mine was upstairs and in the moment that I was like saying it to uh, to my bestie he came down and he heard every single word that I said and I was just like oh my god and then you know I came Ooh. back he was obviously triggered he wasn't able to communicate with me at all for like hours and stuff and and then it, it's just so crazy how the universe just aligns all the dots to trigger me or to make me realize something so i was just complaining how i feel i'm unappreciated in this uh, friendship right and then my mom called me and then she's like okay if you want to make a party in our house it will be good if you do this and you may be uh you might say thank you to us for giving you the house and buy us this and that and i'm like mom why do you require me to say thank you to you and uh, and appreciate you or expect me to say or to do a specific thing as a thank you right like i want to be free to to, to do whatever I feel if you give me something rather than, you know, what you say that I should do. And I was just like so upset. And then after the conversation with my mom, I realized, oh my fucking God, 
I'm literally like my mother. I'm putting all this expectation on my bestie. When I do this for him, he has to do this and this and that because if he doesn't respond like this, then it's shit, right? And I'm not met where I want to be and I'm not appreciated and so on. And then I was just like, I had this awareness bomb in my body and I was literally like self-hating for like half an hour. I was like, oh my God, like I hate this part of me that is like this and I don't want to expect anything. And I just hated that I'm like my mom. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was just like funny about it. It. of course it's not like a super bad thing but it also boils down to expectations that we were talking before right if like you can if you expect someone to behave in a specific way you don't give them space to actually like respond based on the flow of the energy and if you give expecting any response at all which is conditional giving if it's even expecting a thank you right then it's just gonna distort the energy and it's not gonna be so pure and i just and it was so hard for me to be accountable and to be like, fuck, I made a mistake here. I actually was the one projecting the shit on him. So then he wasn't able energetically even to respond in the way that I wanted to because I was like, he has to be like I want him to be, right? From this like more controlling or unhealthy giver mindset. And it was just so hard for me to admit like, shit, like I'm the one with the pattern here. But the moment that I admitted it and the moment that I got aware of it, it kind of completely changed the whole energy between us. And since yesterday, I was just, I'm just like so connected and so I just can see him for who he is and how he really acts rather than through my own filter of like, he doesn't do enough to appreciate me, right? But it's just, it was so hard to take accountability for that and to actually be like, uh, okay, it's, I take responsibility, is my pattern, but it perfectly depicts how we can sometimes just project something and like expect something and then we just cannot get what we need because it's actually the opposite what we are getting because literally when my mom told me that she wants a thank you in a specific way, I just had such a blog to thank her at all. Like I literally just felt like I can't even be in my flow of like gratitude because she puts me in a box like I need to do it in this specific way and it was just such an awareness slap from the universe <laughs> aligned perfectly for me to just be aware of this pattern but awareness changed everything so I just wanted to share this story and I'm curious what you uh, what you think about it that's I mean really think about what you can the lesson we can take from that is although in the moment the emotions are high uh you take a step back you realize okay ob I, I say objectively because I do like to operate in measurable reality as much as we can okay what did i actually do what was the actual thing and then when that happens you see if it makes sense and then you apply the action and then now you and this person more connection of course because also whenever someone does feel hurt if the other person who is perceived the one who had done the hurt and they have the apology with the change in behavior then how could you not connect better in that front it's almost impossible yeah, absolutely. And it's so crazy how like one perspective shift, one sh like shift of awareness can shift a lot within me. I literally feel like I'm a different person right now. Like I'm not going to expect people to thank me or to behave in a specific way. And it's such a change in my body. Like it feels like I'm less stressed <laughs> in a way because I'm less controlling. I can just let people be however they are. And I can just be chill about it. And if they do something great, if they don't do something also great. And it's just, yeah, it's just a little story about how it was so hard for me to be accountable, but I did that. So you guys should be proud of me. <laughs> and, and that's powerful. It's, uh, there's a saying, it's like being angry, right? And you have this anger or this disconnect and I believe it goes, 
being angry is like drinking poison and expecting your enemy to, to die. He says, I mean, because you're the one who's going to be suffering more from it than they would. Yeah, they're going to also feel the wrath of your anger, but really it's going to hurt you more. And then when you release it, then you're actually able to at least start building the connections and the attempts to connect. Mm, absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, and okay. So let's get to, because I would like to finish the braving acronym because I'm just super yes. passionate about it. <laughs> so the next, uh, the next part in this is vault. So I think I say it correct in English, right? It's, well, it's called vault. It's where well? it's, it's really where you keep the information that is shared between each oh, other okay. to yourself. Right. So you don't share anything with other people unless you agreed to do so. And I feel like that's also something that a lot of people struggle with because people like rumors, people like to talk about other people. And it's like, if you don't agree that the information will be shared, I feel like it should not ever be shared unless it's talked about, right? <laughs> million percent. I mean, uh, people who know me would, I mean, you could ask people who do. And I firmly take a lot of, uh, I'm very proud of myself for being someone who's excellent at keeping doesn't have to be secrets, but things that are private, especially when they're communicated to keep it, to keep it. Because, you know, if you're ever out and you meet someone new and even in a relationship space, right? Something that's really powerful is being, having the mentality that it's, it's me and you, and we, we have this own little world inside of us, right? If you're in a public gathering with 10 people, maybe if it's a guy meets a guy, girl meets a girl, guy meets girl, whatever it is, is let's say the guy, let's say guy and girl, guy meets girl, and they start building a little dynamic and now it's their own little private thing that they're building with these other people. They built a, a, their vault. They built this little place where they're maintaining this information within one another. And it creates, again, more connection, more trust, as long as it doesn't really hurt the other person, of course, because then you got to be careful with that. But for sure, the vault is very powerful. Mm, beautiful and then the next part is integrity and i'm really curious about your own definition of integrity mm. uh, this one I, i've been doing so much research on because it's really multifaceted but i would say integrity is saying you're going to do something or having a certain belief system and then following that and not just when it's easy so for example for me i'm vegan which means i don't consume anything from animals and i believe they need to live in autonomy and me peace. too because you're conscious this is great not to say that you're not conscious if you're not vegan but it's very hard to be fully conscious if it's, it's, it's ah, that's a whole other subject but the point being is you say that i could say i'm vegan in public but when i go to the supermarket i'm eating cow milk or cow flesh whatever it's, it's not really being integral right it's it's following your your creed your action your words that you say because if if you're not integral then and other, other people see that they can't trust you because that just shows you'll jump ship whenever it's more convenient, which also can go to loyalty in a sense. But that's how I would see it is following what you say you're going to do, your creed, your beliefs, your philosophy and acting with virtue. Mm, I absolutely agree. And I, I love this um, also definition, choosing courage over comfort, because it's like so many people stay in the comfort zone. But actually, if you choose courage, if you are sticking to your values, if you're sticking to what you feel like is right, that sometimes is fucking uncomfortable, you know, and, and it will be and it's okay well, it that be. it is. <laughs> exactly. And uh, here's the thing people say, or uh, I'll just say again, in the dating world, I think people are trying to meet people it's like oh my gosh wow you're so great at speaking with 
whoever it is. It's like so easy for you to go, yeah. And then people say, oh, you're so brave. Oh, you're so, no, they're not. Because if something is so easy to you and there's no fear involved, you're not really brave, right? Because then it's it's just it's this natural normal thing. So for me, I really admire the person who has, you know, the fear inside and they have that obstacle and they could run, but instead they don't run away, they run toward. And the same thing with courage. You can't have courage if, if there's no obstacle to overcome. And I mean, that it, just, it literally by definition cannot work. Mm. Yes. Mm, I love that. Absolutely. And then we have uh, brave in N. So that would be non-judgment, but that's self-explanatory, right? When we just yeah, that's, that's do not awesome. put any labels on the other person. And if the person expresses their needs and desires, we are just open to receive it. We might not fully always fulfill them, but we're not also going to just judge or assess something as right or wrong if people are explaining something to us. So that's, I think, uh, self-explanatory. But also then we have generosity as the last point. And I'm curious to know your uh, point of view on generosity in trust building. Hmm. Well, this is a tough one because I, I personally actually don't believe you can... So there's a couple of different schools of thought, right? There's one where it says, trust, trust, trust until you have a reason not to, which that definitely has value. But then again, if you trust, trust, trust everybody, you don't really trust anybody because you're giving that same exclusive access in a way to just everybody. Are you going to tell every single person you meet your most deepest uh, intimate experiences in life? Probably not. And for me, the way I would see this and uh, it was generosity, right? For the yes. generosity. With trust, I'd say give you give but you also have to be i'd say careful i know that's kind of contrary to what people believe but i've seen so often that people have given and been unaware that the person is actually literally taking advantage of them and while that only hurts the person who's taking advantage the person who's taking advantage can actually do a lot of damage to your life because they know the vulnerabilities and things like that and for you to actually help others you got to be able to help yourself and keep yourself not just safe because that's also living in a sense of fear but you also got to make sure your home is good. Being generous with it is, I would say if someone's vulnerable with you and you trust their capacity to remain in that realm of being confidential and you can connect, then I would say for sure, you can have that dance. But I'm definitely not a fan of people finding a way to have you share everything with them. They give you nothing. And then when the opportunity comes, they'll just capitalize on your the trust that you that you have given them. Uh, it's it's very risky. Yeah. It's very risky. And it's not about living in fear. Just again, give trust. But when you're too generous with it, it loses its value, right? If Great example. What's more valuable, um, a water bottle or a diamond? What do we Oh, do? it depends for whom. Depends for whom. And maybe let's say if you're in a room filled with water, right? And there's like 10 water bottles. And in this room, there's a diamond. Which one probably has more value? Usually it's the diamond. But what if you're in the middle of the desert and you're lost? Do you care about a diamond or do you care about the water? Right? So again, of course, it's our value systems, but also our environment. And things just tend to lose value once it's given too freely. Um, and trust is a very special thing. It's, I think it's got to be earned. I, I really see it's got to be earned because then if not, people get such a part of your world that like you may trust someone you know very well. And that's probably like the person you're speaking with in that example you had mentioned. You probably trust them more now because you went through adversity. 
you trust that they'll be there to support you. So, all right, we've built levels of trust. And for me, that's how I would say with the generosity is give, give, give. Just always be cautious when someone is looking to potentially use it against you. From my perspective, that's how I've seen it. Yeah, and there are two sides to this coin, right? Because on one hand, you can be kind of like me in this example, projecting that someone is, let's say, using me or whatever. And it might be not true at all. It might be just my own filter of uh, some unhealthy giver patterns or whatever. Because um, my mom is Enneagram number two. So sometimes she could pass to me some kind of a giver and people-pleasing traits, right? And I, I have awareness of that. But also then, sometimes it can be true that I can give uh, a lot and, and with this specific person in the past I have given too much so now in our because we were friends for like 12 years so obviously in in the relationship there have been a lot of situations that now that I have a lot, lot more awareness I can heal and consciously look at it and be like okay this is just the label that I put on this person five seven ten years ago which is not true anymore that is just my projection but in the past I can see that it was true so then I didn't protect my energy and I feel like that also boils down to the first uh, shortcut of this acronym uh, B, which is boundaries, right? Again, because if you give too much, it's actually about you not knowing your boundary when to stop giving. Because like, obviously people will receive from you, like if you're willing to give, but then if you don't care about your energy enough to know that you're giving too much, then obviously it's, it's actually on you and it's your responsibility. Because I believe truly that no one can take your energy unless you give permission to it on a conscious on, or subconscious level. It's like no energy vampire can suck you if you on some level don't allow it, right? And usually be, we allow it because we feel like we're not enough if we don't give or, you know, we are a bad person if we don't give. And then it just, you know, all this uh, plays out. But if we are strong in our needs, our desires, and we can really clearly see when enough is enough, then no one can actually really cross our boundary because we don't allow it simply, right? So um, I, yeah, I just wanted to share that because I feel like it's important to to see these perspectives, like our projections, but also um, the truth when it comes to giving and also stating our boundaries and like knowing what they are and really realizing when we are giving too much and when, when we need to stop, which is, um, I think, super, super important. Would you add anything to that? No, very well said. I, I did have to, uh, an earlier point, you probably heard the dogs get excited. Uh, they started to bark, but it's because they were loving the conversation. They were, they were barking as like a retweet. You know, when birds, they have a retweet on, on Twitter because it was such an exciting thought. The dogs, they bark when they hear energy, ideas, right? I don't mind dogs barking. I have a dog at yeah. home in here as well. And sometimes she barks and I feel like, Mostly people who listen to this podcast love dogs. Like that's my well, assumptions. That's, anyway, maybe it's my selfish assumption, but whatever. I saw a video that it was a person, they had food in their hands and they fell just uh, to act. They fell and the cat, they had cats. The cats went and went straight for the food in the person's hand. The, they made the video again, a guy, he had fell and the dog was nudging him, putting his paw, checking if he was okay. So it's a, it's a whole different energy game. I don't know. I don't know. But Cats definitely... be selfish mopos. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, to, to some capacity, it's true. I mean, they have very different energies. Of course, both filled with love, but very different. Oh, I love cats and I love dogs. But anyway, we we sidetracked to animals like way too much, and this conversation Obedience. Obedience. required. Of course.
<laughs> That's pretty funny. But anyway, our time is almost up. So I have one last question to you. Where could our listeners find you and follow your content if they would like to go deeper with you on the journey of self-awareness and uh, social intelligence? Of course, this and we do stuff as well. We get some philosophy in there. Thank you for asking. This one, the best place to really connect with me is on Instagram. Uh, we'll put the link, I assume, but it's Bruce, B-R-U-C-E, underscore, D-A-S-I-L-V-A, De Silva, and you can find me there. I have my website, ZeusWithBruce.com, so we can also check that out. And funny story, actually, the reason I spelled my last name is I had gone to the hospital years ago, and I was for something on my leg, and they gave me a wristband, and my wristband said saliva as my, my last name. <laughs> So now I realize I'm thinking either I'm saying it weird or maybe people are just not hearing it the right way. It could be, it could be both, but yeah, that's where you can find me. Instagram, shoot a message. We can do uh, zeuswithbruce.com, both great spots and a lot going on and a lot coming up for the end of the year. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing, Bruce. Thank you for this amazing conversation, for your amazing energy as well and the wisdom flowing and just, yeah, everything that you shared was uh, absolutely great. So thank you so much for being with us. It's amazing. It takes, it takes two to tango. And a lot of times we reflect what we see. So thank you. thank you so much, my beautiful people, for being with us. It has been an amazing conversation about trust, relationships. Oh, these are my favorite topics. And if you would like to learn how to manifest a relationship from me, please find me either on Instagram, uh, where I'm at Carolina with K dot K-U-R-A-J, or you can text me at connect at soulfam.com to join my master manifestation method online coaching program where I'm going to teach you how to bring your dreams into reality. So if you want to know more, follow me on social. You can find also Carolina Kurai on Facebook. And I'm so, so, so grateful uh, that you're here with us. So thank you so much again. Have a wonderful day.